What do you do when it seems like the world around you is out of control? How do you survive when there's no safe place to hide? What do you do when your sense of fear increases and your confidence fades? It's during times like these we wonder, where is God? And can we trust that He is still there? Hey, good morning and welcome to Hope Church. We are so glad that you are joining with us today. I wanna give all my Hope Church family a Hope High Five a hope, high, hope hug, and we cannot wait to see you. If you did not know, I've been trying my best to remind us of what days of the week it is, but you have made it to May. Congratulations, hit the heart button, hit the like button, hit the share button, but you have made it to May. The best days are ahead. We are gonna come out of this quarantine soon, I hope, and or maybe by now we have, and so we wanna let you know that we're glad you're with us today. It's your, if it's your very first time visiting Hope Church, we wanna invite you to our website, hopewintergarden.com. Click on I'm new. We'd love to get a connect card from you so that we can connect with you. We want to let you know all that is going on at Hope Church in the days ahead. We have people that are joining us right now from New Mexico. That's a far way away. I thought it was far. We have people that are joining from the Philippine Islands. We are glad you're watching. We have people that are watching all the way in Australia. We have so many people watching from around the world and from wherever you're watching from, whether it be Australia or your living room, we are glad that you are watching with us today. Hey, um, a lot of you guys have reached out to us and said, hey, uh, Pastor Wes and Diana, how can, I, how can I serve? How can I help in this season? And so in this season, we have really tried our best to serve our local community and the people around us and, and really globally. So we have really helped a lot of people in this season. But this past week, we were able to drop off a hundred lunches um, to Matthew's Hope that we prepared through your generosity. I mean, these sandwiches are awesome. This, these meals are awesome. This is, this, this is a sandwich made of artisan bread, ham and turkey and, and cheese. And we've got chips. We've got granola bars and fruit cups. And, and we've got juice boxes. I mean, cook, Oreo cookies. I mean, this lunch is actually better than the lunch that my kids take to school with me. And I don't know if you've had breakfast yet or not, but wherever you're watching, I'm getting, I'm getting hungry. But this is just a small part of your generosity. We, didn't just, we haven't just given away 100 meals in this season. In this season, the last five weeks, through your generosity, we have given away over 10,000 meals for people who are hungry and trying to make ends meet. And so thank you for your generosity. But hey, this week, we want to help you. You've helped a lot of people, but we want to help you. Some of you guys are still trying to figure out how to parent in a pandemic. You're trying to figure out how to parent in a pandemic. So we want to invite you to go to hopewintergarden.com, click on events, and we'd love for you to register for this free event for you. When you register, it'll get your name and a drawing. We, we are generous. We love to give stuff away. So if you register, we're able to give you, um, a, we're going to do a drawing and we want to give a gift away at this night. Um, it's Tuesday night at 9 p.m. We want you to be there. Uh, we will laugh because we believe that church should be fun and we will grow. We have friends that are, vis that are visiting with us on this Zoom call all the way from California, and uh, they're coming to be online with you to help you learn how to parent in a pandemic. And right now, today, we're starting a brand new series on the book of Esther. Every single May, 
Um, we, we start off our May with a book of the Bible. So we're going to walk through the book of Esther together. And I was talking to one of my friends um, just a couple nights ago on one of our community groups. And she said, you know, Pastor Wes, ever since I started coming to church a few months ago, I have tried my best to read through the Bible. And she's on the book of Acts. In just a few short months, she's on the book of Acts. She's in the New Testament, and she's almost going to get to Revelations, I believe, before the year is over. And man, we want to go through another book of the Bible. So many of you guys are reading the Bible more than you've ever read the Bible in this pandemic that when we're quarantined, we can't get out. So we're digging into God's Word. Here's what we believe. If we get in God's Word, God's Word will get in us. And if we read God's Word, God's Word will begin to read God's word will begin to read you and it'll begin to read me. And so the book of Esther is a very unique book. One of the things that's very unique about the book of Esther is that God's name is not even mentioned anywhere in the entire book. God's name is not mentioned. And that seems a little bit foreign, but I, I think it's important that God put a book in the Bible that really says what our subplot says is when God seems absent because, man, it seems like God is absent all throughout the book of Esther. But when you read through the book of Esther, you realize God is through the whole entire book. I mean, he is all... He is in the whole entire thing. If you look closely, you will see God. And I think for us in this season we're in right now, in this isolation and the quarantine that we find ourselves in, say we feel like God's absent. And I know in times in my life, I felt like God is absent, but I want to let you know that God is not absent. He is still alive and well, and he's working in your life, and he wants to work in my life. One of the things you need to know about the book of Esther, there's only two books in the Bible that are given with the name, with the female name. One is the book of Ruth, and the other one is the book of Esther. Only two books. And so that's kind of a unique thing. One of the other unique things about the book of Esther is this, is that there's only four major players in this book. Four major players. We have King Xerxes. We're going to talk a little bit about him today. We have his right-hand man. His name was name of, his, his name was Haman. Hey, man, like, that's kind of a unique name. Like, hey, hey man, how would, you, how would you like if you're walking down the street and someone said, hey, man, you don't know if he was talking to Haman or if he was talking to you walking down the street. And so, hey, man, and we have Esther, who the book is known after. And then we have her uncle, Uncle Mordecai. We'll call him Uncle Morty in our season together. And also, I want to let you know in this story, out of the Esther's line, out of her family tree, the creator of the universe, Jesus, comes from the, the crucifixion. Jesus, not the cross for our sins. The story we talked about just a few weeks ago in Easter, Jesus came from the lineage of Esther. So my question for you today is, what do you do when you feel like God seems absent? Let's look at a passage of scripture today. We're going to look in chapter one today. I think we can learn some things from this story that we can apply to our life because we feel sometimes like God is absent. Verse one of Esther chapter one, the Bible says this, these events happen the days of King Xerxes who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of responsibility. Maybe you live in a big house. Maybe you thought you lived in a big house, but right now in the quarantine season, you feel like your house is getting smaller and smaller. <clears throat> King Xerxes didn't have that problem. He ruled 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia, that's a long, that's a long way. Verse two says this, at that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress. So he's in Susa, but he's got this huge mass of responsibility. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and all of his officials. He throws a big banquet, a big dinner for all the people that serve him. The Bible says that we keep on reading. He invited all the military officers, they're there, and all the princes and the nobles of all the provinces, I mean, 
There's a lot of people showing up for this party. I mean, this guy has a lot of wealth. To be able to provide a meal and drink for all these people. I mean, you, you see King Xerxes, he has a lot of opulence, a lot of money, a lot of things going in his favor, a lot of people serving him. The celebration lasted 180 days. I don't know about you guys, but 180 days, six months is a lot of partying. That's a lot of time to, to celebrate. Some of you guys right now, you're watching and you're one of those birthday people where you want to be celebrated the whole entire month. You got a one birthday, but you want to be celebrated the whole entire month. Could you imagine celebrating for 180 days? A tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet. When that was over, the king gave a banquet for all the people from the greatest to the least who were in the fortress of Susa. So after all that was over, he brought all the people that are close to him and said, hey guys, here's another banquet. And it lasted for seven days and, and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. I mean, how big of a palace garden does he have and how much money do you have to have to party for seven days? I mean, that is just so long to party. Like partying for a couple of hours is, sounds taxing. Partying all night long sounds taxing, but for seven days they drank and they ate. Verse 6 says, The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings. The Bible says they were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in the marble pillars, gold and silver couches. Come on, somebody. Like, you might be sitting on a nice couch today, but your couch ain't gold and your couch is not silver. And they stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry and marble and the mother of pearl and, and the other costly stones. I mean, this guy had some money. I mean, he had so much money. They're sitting on stuff I can't even pronounce. Like, I mean, this guy had things going for him. The drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs. And there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. I mean, this guy, he had so much money, so much stuff. And the Bible says that he's just putting it all in display for everyone. People had their, their own gold goblets. They were all designed differently. I mean, this guy had some wealth. Oh my goodness. I'm actually getting tired of thinking about how much he actually, he actually has. Verse eight says, by the edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, no DUIs. I mean, those guys could just go as hard as they want for seven days. It sounds, it sounds tiring. For the king had instructed all of his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. Man, what a what a direct opposite of what we talked about last week. Last week, look at the Apostle Paul, and Apostle, learned, Apostle Paul learned contentment. I mean, King Xerxes, I don't, think he, I don't think he got content. The Bible says at that same time that party was going on, the queen, Vashti, she gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. So the women are all together with this queen, King Artaxerxes' wife, King Xerxes' wife, they're having their own party somewhere else. I mean, she don't even like her husband. I mean, she didn't want to go to his own party. I mean, this guy must have been a complete jerk for her not to want to go to her own husband's party. So she's having her own party over here. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, the Bible says he told the seven eunuchs who were attended him, all these guys here, all these names here in verse 10, verse 11, to bring the Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other people to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. I mean, this lady was so beautiful. He says, I want to bring her in front of all of my friends, in front of all the people, so people could see 
how good she looked. The Bible says, but when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king furious and he burned with anger. I mean, things are not going too good for her. And so I, I, we don't have time to get into all the scripture even further, but here's what happens. The king, they, these guys go back to the king and they say, hey, your wife doesn't want to come. The queen, queen's not coming. She don't want to come be a part of your little party. And she doesn't want to come and just let, let everyone be seen. I mean, she's like, I've got feelings, you know, like I just come parade me around and she doesn't want to go. And so the king, that, that, that presents a huge problem. So the king says to his friends, hey, guys, his, his um, advisors, hey, guys, what do we do? And they said, hey, here's what we would do. You can't let her be the queen. You can't let her be the queen no more. Because here's what happened. If she disrespects you, all of our wives are going to think they can disrespect us. And guys, we ain't having that. You know what I'm saying, guys? Like, nudge your wife, say, we ain't having that. And so the king, Xerxes, he takes his wife out of the scene, takes the queen from her and says, you're not queen, and just puts her into regular society. And says, hey, you're not, you're not welcome here no more. You're not wanted anymore. I mean, this King Xerxes, he was a bad dude. In comes Esther. Esther was the daughter of Abihel, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch, in charge of the harem. So let me catch you up a little bit. The Bible says that when this happens, the king has to find a new queen. And so he goes to all the women and he says, all right, you have a shot, you have a shot, you have a shot. And these ladies prepared themselves. They got ready. They went on a diet. I mean, they were trying to look good for the king. And they got all the ointments, all the perfumes. I mean, they got all dolled up and they were going to be paraded in front of the king. And Esther was one of the girls that shows up. She asked for nothing except for what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. I mean, this lady, she was beautiful. Esther was a beautiful lady. Esther was taken to the king, Xerxes, at the royal palace in the early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. I mean, there was a lot of women there, and king says, I like, I like you the best. I choose I choose you. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. I mean, this lady was, must have been incredible. I mean, and King, because every girl showed up. I mean, the most beautiful women all over. I mean, they all show up and King says, man, I, I like you. I mean, you are the most beautiful. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all of his nobles, and all of his officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Verse 19 tells us this. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a, a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. What you need to know is that this girl, Esther, she was a, a Jewish girl and, and she's there and the king doesn't even know that she's a Jewish girl and Esther's going to play a significant role in all of humanity. She's not only going to save her family, but she's going to save the Jewish race there and she's going to also save and out of her lineage is going to become, it's going to come Jesus. And so as we're looking at this, verse 20 says she was still following Mordecai's direction just as he did when she lived in his home, I mean, she's given him, he, Mordecai's given her the direction as she's going. And he, the story's there for a reason. Because you and I, like Esther, we feel left out. 
and we feel abandoned and we feel alone and we feel isolated. We find ourselves in our society feeling like that today. And, and that's how Esther felt. I mean, Esther didn't have a, she, well, she was beautiful. I mean, she was a, she was orphaned. She had no mom. She had no dad. And, and she gets adopted by her uncle Mordecai and he's taking care of her and she's a slave. I mean, she's, she's working. I mean, she's, she's just out taking care of whatever she's supposed to take care of. And maybe she's in a, in the village. Maybe she's serving bread or maybe she's serving um, some king or maybe she's sort of this, this leader, or this noble or this prince. And she's just a servant abandoned, feeling left alone and feeling like God is, God is absent. Now, mind you, this lady's heard all the stories of God's provision. She heard about the stories of, from her parents and great-grandparents of how God took care of his people and people walked through the Red Sea. And, I mean, she knew the story. She knew Joshua prayed and, and, and God had the sun stand still for a day. And she knew all the stories of provision and God taking care of the children of Israel over and over and over again. And it seems like, and she's in a season where God... God is absent. Maybe you feel like God is absent. I want to give you three things that I think will help you when it seems like God is absent. Here's the first thing. When God seems absent, I want you to know God is always with you. You just need to know, you need to write this down in your notes. Say, you need to know that God is always with you. Some of you believe that God is with you sometimes. Some of you believe that God is with you maybe on Sundays. But You think God's with you right now because you're listening to a message. But you need to know that God is always with you. The Bible says he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. When, when, um, when Esther, Esther felt alone, when she was abandoned, when she had no mom, she had no dad, God was always with Esther and God is always with you. When you think God is absent, you just need to believe it today. God is always with you. Right now you're feeling alone. Right now you're feeling isolated, but God is right there with you on your couch, on your Facebook, wherever you're watching on YouTube today. God is always with you nudge your neighbor and let them know God is always with you. This is not a suggestion today. This is a fact. God is with you. Here's the second thing. When God seems absent, you need to know this. God knows everything about you. God knows everything about you. God knows every single thing about you. The thing about you that nobody else knows, God knows that about you. The thing that you're struggling with in this season, God knows that about you. The thing that you don't like about yourself, God knows that about you. He knows everything about you. God, did you know this? God's already in tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knew what you're going to do yesterday. He knows what you're going to do in just five minutes from now. God knows everything about you. The Bible said God knows the amount of hair on your head. God knows everything about you. My friend, I want to let you know that God loves you. And here's the third thing. When God seems absent, God has a plan for you. I need you to know God has a plan for you. Wherever it is that you're watching, I say, God has a plan for you. Esther thought her life was over. Esther thought things weren't gonna work out for her good. Esther thought she was gonna be a slave the rest of her life. And I can imagine those younger years where Esther's mom and dad died when she was young. And I'm sure she struggled with that and trying to work through her emotions and trying to see a counselor, trying to figure out how she's supposed to navigate all that. Esther felt alone. No mom, no dad. Her uncle's taking care of her and she feels alone, but she needs to embrace the fact and you need to embrace that God's always with you that God knows everything about you. And this third thing, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you, my friend. So you might be saying, Wes, what is God's plan for my life? God has two plans for your life. Here's the first thing. The first plan that God has for your life is salvation. God wants you to be saved. And we wanna give you an opportunity in just a few moments for you to be saved. Just last week, an 11-year-old girl gave her life to Christ by watching our service online. We wanna let you know today that God wants you to be saved. 
Here's the second thing that God wants for you is God wants you to serve him. He wants you to be saved and he wants you to serve him. That's God's plan for all of our lives. You, you, the plan for your life is the same plan that God has for my life. It's to be saved and to serve Jesus. So if you're watching today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to be saved this morning. If you've been watching the last five weeks, every single week at this time of our service, we tell you salvation is simple as ABC. Letter A, you have to admit that you've done wrong. You have to admit that you're a sinner and we all are. You have to admit that today. You have to admit that you've done wrong. Romans chapter three tells us that we've all sinned. I've sinned. Wherever you're watching it, you've sinned. The person next to you, they've sinned a lot. Tell them, hey, you're a sinner. The person next to you, they're a sinner. Hey, we've all sinned. Let it be. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins. John chapter three, verse 16, the Bible said God gave his one son to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. You have to believe that today. You have to believe that all of your sins were covered by the blood of Jesus on that cross. And Jesus didn't see on that cross, he rose again. Then let her see, you have to commit your life to Jesus. You got, today is your day to commit your life to Jesus. Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth and you will believe in your heart, then you can be saved. Nothing, could, nothing greater could happen in this season than if you committed your life to Jesus. And I wanna give you a chance right now wherever you're watching. All you have to do is admit that you've done wrong, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and let us see, commit your life to him. And the Bible says you, you can be saved. So I wanna invite you to pray with me today. I wanna help you be saved. I wanna help you commit your life to Jesus. Now my prayer can't save you. You believe it in your hearts and you asking Jesus to save you and him down the cross for your sins, that's what saves you. But you have to invite him in on your journey. You have to go all in with him the same way that he went all in with you. So I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're watching at today and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've done wrong. And Lord, today I'm believing that you died on the cross for my sins. Whatever your name is today, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, just say, God, I believe that you died on the cross for Wes's sins. And just say your name. I, I believe you on the cross for whatever your name is, your sins, my sins. I believe that today. And Today I'm committing my life to you, Jesus. I confess all my sins. I believe in my heart. God, I wanna be saved today. Lord, I want the free gift of salvation to enter into my life and I wanna live for you. Lead me, guide me, Jesus. Be my leader. Lord, I'm giving you my life. Help me to follow after you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or if you have any questions, we wanna direct you over to our website. You can go to hopewintergarden.com, click on Know God. There's way more information there. You can email us and let us know that you've committed your life to Christ. We'd love to celebrate that with you. We'd love to get some information to you to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Hey, I wanna encourage you today. Man, God has a plan for your life. He has more, he has more, he has more for you. We cannot wait to see you next week for week two of Esther. We love you, we'll see you soon. Hey, Hope Church, I miss you guys so much. Thank you so much for all the sweet cards and notes of encouragement, the texts, the emails, and even some sweet treats that have been left on our doorstep. Pastor Wes and I love you with all of our hearts and we miss you and are praying for you every day.
Until we're together again, let's keep connecting socially. Let's keep sending letters to each other. Let's keep sending encouraging texts. Let's keep posting positive posts. Let's keep being the church that God has called us to be. We love you guys so much. 